G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. As debating topics go, they don't come much bigger than this in the world today. Then uh, some things that are happening over the next two weeks in Victoria and in WA, quite a rarity for Christians to have the opportunity to debate Australian Muslims on the biggest religious questions facing humanity. But now... Australian Christian expert on Islam, Dr. Bernie Power from the Melbourne School of Theology, is scheduled to debate a Muslim scholar named Adnan Rashid from the UK. The topics are going to be, who is Jesus and who is Muhammad? Now, Dr. Bernie Power is taking part in two public debates in Melbourne in just over a week's time. Now, the dates are September 13th and 15th, and there are some other dates where there are some debates taking place too in Perth in WA. But Dr. Bernie Power has lived and worked in several Muslim countries over many, many years. He speaks and reads Arabic. He teaches the Quran, the Hadith and Muslim thought at the Melbourne School of Theology. He's written three books on the Muslim-Christian interface and is currently writing two more. And it is our absolute privilege to have Dr. Bernie Power joining us to talk about these debates that are coming up. Uh, Dr. Bernie Power, a special welcome back to 2020. Thank you, Thank, uh, well, and hello to all your listeners. Uh, Bernie, we've had some great conversations over the years, and I don't anticipate that today you'll be pulling any punches uh, because there are some significant issues at play. Just to pick up on, first of all, the idea that it's actually hard to find Australian Muslims who are ready to have a public debate, and there must be some reasons for that. And for this debate that's going to be taking place that you're going to be involved in, it's a, it's a guy coming from the UK. Uh, what's so difficult about finding people in Australia to debate Christianity versus Islam? Yeah, it's interesting. When I first got involved in this about 10 years ago in doing public debates, uh, Muslims were quite keen to be uh, to, to take part in it, and I had no difficulty finding uh, debating partners from the Muslim community. But as time has gone on, they've become less and less willing to do that. And I think uh, partly uh, they don't have the material, um, so they, they come out not looking very good, and uh, Muslims... Um, stopped turning up to the debates uh, because of that. And uh, so, uh, yeah, I've really struggled. So we're actually bringing this guy out from the UK. We're paying his airfares to come here because we couldn't find anyone in Australia who'd be willing to uh, take part in the debate. I'd sent uh, notices out to all of the mosques and Islamic organisations and schools and um, asking if there was someone who's willing to debate the topics and no one was willing to do that. Well, you know what? It's exciting that this debate is going to be taking place and that we can have a conversation about it today before it happens because there is a certain sense here, isn't there? And uh, we'll know that 
that you are a great debater and you're across the issues and there is something that gives us confidence knowing that you're going to be in the debate, Bernie, because somehow somehow or other we sometimes feel like, uh, you know, if we do pit ourselves against the other big world religion, uh, will we come off second best? But uh, there is a certain sense in which we have nothing to fear because there's tremendous substance to our own faith. And uh, certainly uh, honour to you because uh, we're very happy that you're the one who's going to be leading the charge here. But there's something important about this. gives us confidence when we can actually be in a debate and hold our own without any worry. Yeah, um, yeah I should point out it's my colleague uh, Samuel Green who will be doing the debates in Perth and uh, people who are um, yeah, interested in that can actually yeah, contact me and I can give you more details of that if you're, if you're Perth-based. Um, but you're right, it's, it's a matter of us having done our homework. We, we open up the scriptures, which is our, our primary source of information uh, in these debates, and we're, we're quite willing to engage the worldviews of, of, of other people. And, uh, yeah, you know, we, we also rely on the work of the Holy Spirit to inspire us. And in the heat of the moment, you know, anything could be asked at any time during the debate, either from the other debater or questions from the floor. So you need to be ready for all of those things. Of course, if we're reflecting on the value of debates, uh, we might all think of the biblical example of Paul at Mars Hill and the idea of actually standing up and uh, being vulnerable and exposed and to be able to put your case. And in that case, uh, of course, uh, there would have been many critics, but there were some who believed. So, you know, coming around this whole idea of is it worthwhile engaging in public debates, obviously you're going to say it absolutely is. Yeah, and, and Paul writes about that, you know, in, in 2 Corinthians 10, he says, we, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So we really want to uh, uh, get people thinking. Jesus was also someone, he never ran away from debates when the, the, uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and others challenged him in public places. He was quite willing to stand there and hold his ground. And, of course, the, the Old Testament prophets were also engaged in, in debates with their culture, with their society. So I think yeah, it's an important, there's very strong biblical precedence for it. When you talk about those sorts of verses that we read in the Bible about demolishing arguments, I mean, these sound aggressive. It sounds assertive. Uh, there's a certain sense that some people have of, uh, well, why don't we just be gentle and be nice uh, in a loving sort of a way? And, you know, well, if they score a point or two against us, we won't be too concerned because, you know, in all fairness, they must have a point or two that they can score against us. But when Paul uses those words, demolishing arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and then uh, the encouragement to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ, uh, he's actually being pretty assertive when he says that. Yeah, and I think it's important, uh, just listening to the clip that you were uh, showing before, uh, playing before about the, uh, um, the man talking about it. we're in a spiritual battle, and I think um, we, we do that. And, you know, Paul also writes in, um, in Ephesians 6, he says, Our struggle isn't against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And so we don't actually see the, the person that we're debating as our enemy, um, but rather we recognize that there's a, a worldview, a thought pattern behind behind that person which they're espousing that we, we can challenge. But, you know, the debates are actually quite um, uh, friendly affairs. 
So, uh, you know, we, we'll, at the end of it, we'll shake hands and hug and um, we'll make jokes. In fact, we'll start off with a joke-telling session at the beginning of this one uh, to lighten the mood a little bit. We're both, the other speaker and I'll get up and, and tell a few jokes. Um, and I think it's important that it, even though the content is stuff that's difficult um, and quite combative, um, but we can still do it in a friendly and gentle uh, and respectful manner. Uh, that's great to hear, uh, the idea of getting up and telling some jokes, because we all know that if you want to break the atmosphere, the atmosphere could be thick. Uh, somebody tells a joke, uh, lightens everybody up, everyone has a few laughs. But I imagine you won't be telling jokes about Islam. I imagine these would have to be some self-deprecating humour or some jokes maybe about Christianity where we can actually, you know, take a, a, take a light-hearted look at our own faith or, uh, I mean, you know, you do you do have to be careful when you actually start to tell jokes uh, about the other side. Yeah, yeah, I'm just going to tell a whole lot of daggy dad, dad jokes. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, the daggy dad jokes. I mean, I think that sounds uh, that sounds great. And no doubt, uh, your opponent would have the same sort of mindset to tell a few uh, light-hearted jokes. You, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, this is the first time we've tried this. Partly because people typically come late to the uh, to the events, or you know, there's, there's a big queue of people coming in, and you want to start on time, but you know, you don't want the crowd sitting there, um, you know people still coming in while you're actually into the meat of it. So I said, well, look, let's take the, uh, the introduction time as a, as a joke-telling session and then uh, when everyone's seated, then we'll start the official proceedings. So. And, of course, uh, knowing your heart, you'll start off with the jokes, uh, but people will start to very quickly appreciate that you're not flippant at all about your faith. Mm -hmm that you take these things so seriously and that you take every opportunity that you can to engage with Muslim people, particularly around your uh, community in Melbourne. And uh, this is not something new to you. You're actually out there regularly doing these sorts of opportunities to be able to talk to people about faith. And it does appear, Bernie, and uh, you can give us your insight here, people who are on the Islam side of faith are really usually quite happy to debate and to talk about their faith. Yeah, and which is what uh, has kind of surprised us with their unwillingness to do that in, in recent years compared with the, the very early willingness. And I think part of the other issue is that with, on the, the Muslim side, they haven't come up with any new ideas. So there was a man named Ahmed Didat back in the 1980s who was quite a famous debater. And typically Muslims are simply repeating his arguments from that time, I mean, word for word, and even copying his body gestures. Um, uh, Adnan Rashid, this guy that I'm debating, is actually coming up with some new ideas. He's a historian, and so he actually challenges Christianity from a, uh, a, a basically a, a liberal perspective. So he'll uh, cite a lot of Christian or um, people from Christian background uh, scholars, and um, he quite challenges the biblical text, so he takes quite a different approach. So, uh, that, well, that's why it'll be pretty exciting to engage with him. Bernie, in my introduction, I spoke about some of those qualities and uh, those qualifications that you bring to a debate like this. So uh, I mentioned that uh, you'd lived in several Muslim countries. I mentioned that you speak and read Arabic, uh, that you teach the Quran and the Hadith, 
and Muslim thought at the Melbourne School of Theology, and you've been doing that for many years. I also mentioned that you'd written three books, that you've got a couple uh, that are in the pipeline ready to go, and so you come with your great knowledge and experience to this debate. What about your opponent, though? What would we understand about the Muslim side of the debate here? What's his background? Yeah, so Adnan Rashid is born in Pakistan, uh, one of the countries that I worked in previously. He's now a British citizen, uh, and his um, background is in history. He's a very experienced debater. He's travelled around the world um, and in, is in demand for debating opportunities. Uh, he's got a big uh, media following. Uh, tens of thousands of people uh, follow him, so it'll be good to be able to get into, tap into that uh, uh, kind of market as well with, with our ideas. Um, yeah, and he's, he's quite a, a strong person, a big guy, um, uh, a loud voice. Um, yeah, so he'll, he'll be, and, and he's a quick thinker, so uh, um, yeah, he'll be quite, quite a, uh, a formidable person to engage with. Well, the debates that are coming up are going to be, and it's two separate nights, uh, two different topics, who is Jesus and who is Muhammad? Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson, a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. The Talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. Our special guest is Dr. Bernie Power from Melbourne School of Theology preparing for two big debates coming up very soon in the next couple of weeks. There's going to be some on in Perth, but uh, the dates uh, for the uh, Melbourne uh, City Conference Centre going to be held at the Melbourne City Conference Centre, the CBD, tickets at berniepower.com, 13th and 15th of September, if you were making a note. Uh, Bernie Power, just want to say to listeners, 1-800-316-316 to join in the conversation. Before we take any calls, though, let's talk about uh, one of the, you know, those ground uh, foundations that we need to talk about as to who is Jesus, uh, because this is going to be the topic of the first debate. Uh, when you give uh, simple explanations to people as to why you would be debating these things, what do you say? Who is Jesus? Yeah, so I'll basically do a, a quick rundown of, um, of not only the life of Jesus, but the existence of Jesus. So I'll talk about his pre-existence. Uh, that will be my first point where he, he talks in John 17. He says with the Father, you love me before the foundation of the world. So I'll talk uh, about that. Um, talk about Jesus' involvement in creating the world. So Jesus was there. So um, it says in one, uh, John 1 that all things were made through him. Uh, then I'll talk about uh, through the Old Testament the the pre-incarnation appearances of Christ, the times when Jesus actually came and appeared, the what we call Christophanies, um, and the nearly 400 uh, prophecies about Jesus that we find in the Old Testament, talking about where he was going to be born, what his character would be like, what things he would be he'd be involved in, uh, his uh, death and his resurrection and his and his ultimate glory and looking about how the old testament prophets talk about all of those and so that's all kind of the the pre-work and then we'll get to the his actually earthly ministry the the birth in bethlehem uh fulfillment of the prophecy in my in micah uh that he would be born of a virgin fulfillment of prophecy in isaiah and then his uh, baptism where we see the father son and holy spirit so i'll take a very strong trinitarian approach and talk about Jesus being uh, the, the second person of the Trinity and his 
his life and ministry only makes sense in terms of those relationships with the Father and the Holy Spirit. So at the baptism, the Father speaks, this is my um, beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased, and the Holy Spirit comes down and strengthens him, uh, and then talk uh, through his life uh, and his death and resurrection, and then the afterlife and talk about Jesus being now seated at the right hand of the Father, uh, mediating, and that one day in the future he'll come back to judge the living and the dead. Um, Yeah, so I'll I'll do quite an expansive uh, uh, history of Jesus from prehistory to uh, uh, post-history. That's wonderful because uh, the Jesus of history and prehistory and uh, to the present and who Jesus is for the future, it really is Jesus in front and centre, the here and now. And, uh, of course, your opponent in the debate will no doubt be trying to uh, to uh, you know cast aspersions and doubts on that idea, although the Quran does actually have references to Jesus. What do you think your opponent might bring to the equation when we, when we start to uh, hear those sorts of things being talked about who is jesus yep so the, the first thing that he tends to do is to challenge the sources and so he'll be trying to cast dispersions on the on the bible and i'll point out to him that's not the topic um initially when we uh, were discussing uh, what the topics would be um we ha- we'd said well let's have it as a battle of the books uh, the reliability of the bible versus the reliability of the quran and then he changed and he said, no, no, let's talk about Jesus and Muhammad. So I'll keep reminding him, these were your topics, this, this is what we want to talk about. The other thing is that he may try to present the Islamic view of Jesus as being much more reasonable. And the, the Quran mentions Jesus by name 25 times, which is interesting because it only mentions Muhammad four times by name. Um, there's about 100 verses in the Quran which... Uh, uh, talk about the ministry of Jesus. Most of them are actually about his birth, but it does say that he, it says he was born of a virgin, that he, uh, in his public ministry, that he healed the sick and he raised the dead, um, and that he has gone to heaven. Uh, it denies, it denies the resurrection, denies that he's the, the Son of God. So that will be the kind of uh, perspective that if he follows the Islamic perspective, he'll be presenting. And uh, I'll be pointing out that I think this is quite an inadequate uh, understanding of Jesus. Well, our talk back line's open on 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call, Bernie, from Calvin in Perth in WA. Hi, Calvin. Welcome. Yeah, hi. How are you going? Good? Very well, Calvin. What are your thoughts for our conversation? Yeah, okay. If he goes in there on the Trinity, the triune God, that Muslim guy will absolutely destroy him. Because the Trinity only come around in 400 AD by the Catholic religion. He's going to destroy him. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. When Jesus comes back, it's going to be God glorified, Christ glorified as God, not three in one. He'll destroy him. And I tell you, I will debate this guy on the Trinity any time because God, Jesus said, What's mine is thine, referring to himself as God, not a second person. There is no verse in the Bible that says Jesus is a second person of a triune God. It says that he is the exact person, the representation of God on earth. He, when he comes, he will be 
Christ glorified as God, not a second person. There Calvin, is no reference to that in the Bible. You're making some interesting points here, but let's uh, let's get an insight or two here from Dr. Bernie Power because uh, the Trinitarian perspective isn't just something that uh, developed in the 4th century, but uh, as uh, scholars uh, have studied the Bible uh, Genesis through Revelation, that's where the Trinitarian perspective has developed. But uh, Bernie Power, your thoughts for Calvin from Perth? Yes, yeah. So uh, I'd like to talk with Calvin. Uh, yeah, I'm quite happy to debate him if he wants to do that on on the Trinity. Um, it's one of the particular areas of, of of my interest. And you're right; it didn't uh, arise in the fourth century. It's taught in the Bible. Jesus said, um, uh, "Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit." So the idea of the Trinity, although the word is not used, uh, the concept is there. One of the, um, Adnan also um, talks about this idea that uh, it only arose in the 4th century um, and one of the things that I'll have prepared is a, a list of early Christian teachers who all talk about the Trinity. So um, people like Theophilus who first developed the term Tertullian, um, Oregon, Irenaeus and other early church fathers who were in those early centuries who also talked about the concept of the Trinity. Um, yeah, so I, I think um, uh, Calvin might be putting forward an idea, it's a uh, thing called monochristism, which is that um, um, God is only Jesus, and it's kind of a simple view of, of, uh, of God, very um, similar to the uh, maybe the Jehovah's Witnesses or something. They have a, a Unitarian view and um, where they ten- tend to uh, either minimize the, the role of Jesus or make him the only part of it. And I think the biblical understanding of, uh, of God is a lot more complex than that. Calvin from Perth, thank you so much for your call. And 1-800-316-316 if you'd like to join in our conversation. Of course, Bernie, when we talk about Trinity, uh, and we compare two religions, Christianity and Islam, often we talk about the monotheistic religions. And if we as Christians don't have a right appreciation of who Jesus is, as the second person of the Trinity. You know, we've got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Uh, all of those three persons are one God. Uh, sometimes people get a bit confused, and I know that uh, that Muslims sometimes like to point to the idea that, oh, you somehow or they have three gods. Uh, that is one of the issues and no doubt one of the arguments that uh, that Islamic people might have against Christians. Yes, yeah, and uh, just the other day I was walking through the city and a, a young man jumped out in front of me and said, excuse me, sir, can I explain Islam to you? And I said, oh, great. He said, have you got two minutes? I said, yep, be happy for that. He didn't know who I was. And uh, he said, uh, you know, as Christians you believe in three gods. And I said, oh, is that right? I said, where do you get that from? And he said, well, one plus one plus one always equals three. And I said, oh, well, um, how old were you when you learned that level of mathematics? He said, oh grade one, but probably six years old. I said, if you'd stayed in school a, a couple more years, you would have learnt that one times one times one, that is three ones, equals one. I said, that's multiplication. It's a higher level of thinking than, than you would have as a six-year-old, but it's just as true, and in fact, it's much more powerful. And uh, um, C.S. Lewis talks about this whole idea that when we move to greater dimensions, we can um, experience greater complexity. And Islam, uh, like all kinds of um, 
um, Unitarian kind of perspectives take a very kind of low and simple understanding of what the nature of, of reality is, let alone the nature of God. The Christian understanding that God is three in one, that we see the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit uh, all um, completely God um, uh, and one uh, sharing the same essence, sharing the same being. Um, yeah, so it's it's a little bit more complex than the uh, kind of simple view that, that say, the Jehovah's Witnesses or uh, uh, other Unitarians would present. Uh, we're going to take some more calls in just a few moments, so thanks for the patience of those who have been holding on. But I don't want to miss this opportunity, Bernie, because uh, in the last uh, half hour before the news, we started to talk about the who is Jesus uh, factor in the debates. But there'll be the other side of that, the who is Muhammad. And uh, I know that listeners will be pretty in- impressed about how you'll be approaching the who is Muhammad question. Uh, what are you going to do to approach that one? Yeah, basically, <clears throat> excuse me, I'll be presenting the, the Muhammad of history, um, who is quite different from the Muhammad of faith. Uh, for Muslims, Muhammad is seen as the, the best person who's ever lived. He's seen as um, the uh, a per- the perfect human, the ideal model for uh, humanity to to emulate. And uh, I would be pointing up, putting out the point that um, based on the historical evidence which we have from the earliest. Islamic sources, so that's from the Quran and from the Hadith, from the biographies, from Islamic history, Muhammad actually had many shortcomings. And uh, because of that, I'll, I'll be saying that I don't think that he is somebody that people should necessarily be copying. It's a, it's a little bit controversial, but I'll do that as gently as possible. Um, and uh, uh, hopefully people will be willing um, and able to hear what I'm, I'm saying. OK, let's take some more calls. On the line from Underwood in Queensland is Darren. Hello, Darren. Welcome along. Yeah, hi, Neil and Bernie um, and Vision listeners. Um, my question is probably three in one. <laughs> yeah. um, how do we address... Uh, people of Islamic faith in the areas of uh, um, where they describe to us that Jesus is coming back to judge the Christians um, where um, Ishmael and Ishmael was sacrificed not Isaac uh, was going to be sacrificed and um, their belief in the uh, our Trinity. What Trinity do they argue we have? Is it Mary, Jesus, and the Father, or is it Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit? Um, just, well, uh, wondering how you'd address those questions, Darren. You're raising some uh, some curly ones, and uh, you're obviously along the lines of a lot of misinterpretation about what the Bible teaches. But uh, I hope you got a note on uh, those, Bernie. But I what's have, your response yeah. for Darren? Yeah, good. Thanks, Darren. Great questions, yeah. And and when you start talking with Muslims, they'll say, oh, yes, yes, we believe in Jesus. In fact, we love Jesus. And they'll say, we, we love him more than you do because you believe that God allowed him to die a, uh, a, a, der- a terrible and humiliating death on the cross. But we believe that God loved him so much that he saved him from that and took him up directly to heaven and that uh, one day Jesus will come back um, to earth and he will live here um, and not in the Quran but in the Hadith it says that he will get married and have children and he will die as an old man and then on the resurrection he will be raised up again there's a whole lot of things about uh, uh, Jesus, the Jesus story from the uh, the Hadith and, and from the Sirah and they, they claim that he will um, 
come back and he'll break the crosses and he'll kill the pigs and he will establish uh, Islam as a religion and some say that he'll convert all the uh, Christians to, um, uh, to Islam. And my response to that is, well, firstly, why didn't Jesus talk about that when he was here on earth? In fact, he, he talked a lot about his return, but he never mentioned anything about Islam. Um, he, um, um, he, the, the biblical perspective of Jesus is that uh, he was preaching himself as, as the one who is the way, the truth, and the life, the only way to the Father. He never talked about uh, Muhammad or anyone coming after him. Um, yeah, so I, I challenge their, uh, their view on those uh, kinds of grounds. The second one about Ishmael and Isaac, um, the Muslims claim that Ishmael is the, the one who uh, um, Abraham was going to sacrifice and not Isaac. And I'd say, well, let's have a look at that passage in the Quran, uh, which talks about that, and you show me where the name Ishmael occurs. And in fact, it doesn't. It just says that um, Allah told Abraham to take his son uh, and to sacrifice him, and then he was stopped uh, in the process of that. But Ishmael is not mentioned anywhere in, the, uh, in that narrative. That's an idea that came along later, whereas the biblical uh, perspective is very clear that it was Isaac, not Ishmael, that, uh, that Abraham took up, to, uh, up onto the mountain, and then God intervened and said, uh, do not harm the boy. Um, and Abraham had said to Isaac, uh, God will provide a lamb. And so we look forward to the coming of Jesus, who then is identified by John the Baptist as the Lamb of God. And the third one, your question about the Trinity. And you're right, the, the view that the Quran presents of the Trinity is that um, we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Mother. Um, so Jesus uh, in the Quran is saying uh, to, um, to God, did I say take... Um, my mother Mary and oh, my mother and I as, uh, as gods besides you. No, I never said that. And we would say, yeah, of course, Jesus never said that. He never claimed that Mary was part of the Trinity. So we, I'll be presenting a, a biblical perspective of the Trinity. And uh, um, if, if the topic comes up, our topic is Jesus, um, uh, rather than the Quranic perspective. Okay, thank you so much to Darren from Underwood. Our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. Let's take another call. Val is on the line from Mackay in Queensland. Hi, Val. Welcome. Are you with us, Val? I think we might have lost Val on that. Uh, thank you so much, Val. You might like to try and call us back, 1-800-316-316. Just to pick up on something that Darren was talking about, and of course, uh, bringing context in here, Bernie, because sometimes we think of the two big world religions, Christianity and Islam, and assume that they've been there as long as each other. But of course, when you start to say the authoritative scriptures, uh, the scriptures of Christians and of Jews uh, are much more authoritative than something that came along 600 years after Christ. Uh, there is a certain sense here in which we get the context right and you get uh, this capacity then to be able to uh, put things into a, a, a better way of understanding. Yeah, and particularly uh, Muslims would say that Muhammad was illiterate, so he couldn't read or write. So even if the scriptures had been available in Arabic at that time, he wouldn't have been in a position to read them. And we find in the Quran that there are many stories that are included in there that come from later apocryphal stories. So things like uh, the second century Gospel of Thomas, um, the, the, uh, the Arabic story of the... the um, 
the birth of Jesus. Uh, these were written in the second and sometimes fourth, third and fourth and fifth centuries, and they found their way into the Quran. Muhammad had heard these stories and included them in there. Um, yeah, so we would say that the the Bible has got a much more kind of uh, uh, authoritative base for its uh, for its content, whereas the the Quran has got bits of material that are taken from a whole variety of sources. Let's take another call. Emma is on the line from Victoria. Hi, Emma. Welcome. I think I can hear something in the background there. Emma, are you with us? Yes, I'm here. <laughs> I've got my birds and my guinea pig. Okay. Emma, you need to be quick. Um, what's, your, what's your contribution? Well, I was going to ask a, a question is, do you know who c- created God? Okay. All right. Emma, thank you for your question. Uh, a very quick response here. Uh, Bernie Power. Okay. Yeah, yeah. This is a, a, a bit of an old chestnut um, that people would say that uh, everything on earth uh, had to be created. Um, and so, you know, who created God? Well, the, the creator actually exists outside of creation. Uh, and um, he uh, has a quality that doesn't require creation because he always existed. That's where creation came from. Everything has to come um, from something, but you need to go back. And, and Plato talked about the, the first cause. Something needed to be there at the beginning. And the Bible talks about God being the one who was there present from the beginning, from before time began. In fact, he created time. So the creator doesn't need a crea- uh, someone to create him. Thank you so much, Emma. And before we take another call, uh, because I know that there'll be some listeners who are saying, uh, what's the difference between uh, stories, the origins narrative between uh, Christianity and Islam? Because uh, they share uh, an Old Testament uh, foundation here in the sense that Islam adopts uh, that Old Testament uh, foundation. What are your thoughts about uh, differences in the way that Christians see creation, the creation narrative, compared to the Islamic way. Mm. Yeah, so it's interesting. There's a lot of uh, parallels between the two. So the idea of God creating in six days uh, is found in the Quran. Uh, God creating uh, by his word that is speaking and and the creation coming into being is there. uh, The story of Adam and Eve and the garden and uh, eating the forbidden fruit and being cast out of the out of the garden are, are all there in the Quran but there's a slight twist on on all of them um, the reason for God's creating the world is excuse me expressed differently you know in the uh, the Bible it, it becomes clear that God is a God of love and that's why the existence of three persons before the world began is important because how can you have love if there's no one to love or nothing to love love always requires an object and if we understand the Trinity as God pre-existing as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the relationship there of relationship of love, then God could always be loving. Whereas for Allah, um, if he was there by himself before the world was created, who was he loving? And Muslims would say, well, he doesn't need to. He, he, Allah is not love. So there is an, uh, a different in terms of understanding. Um, the Bible says in, in Jeremiah 31, God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. God created us out of love for us, whereas the, the Quran says, um, 
in, in Arabic, God, uh, um, he says, uh, God says, I didn't create anything except that it would worship me or serve me. And so it's almost like um, Allah in the Quran is looking for uh, worshippers or for people who will bow down to him uh, rather than creating them out of love. So there's this kind of subtle differences between the two approaches. So in the, in the Bible we're talked about becoming the sons and daughters of God, the children of God. In the Quran, a person can never rise above being a slave of God. So they're quite different. 1-800-316-316. To join our conversation, let's take another call. Samoa is on the line from Sydney. Hello, Samoa. Welcome. Thank you, sir. Hello. Uh, What are your thoughts? uh, My thought is, uh, you know, Jesus was was born as uh, uh, a Jew. Muhammad was born from Arab. I don't know where this guy's coming from. Listen, if he's a Jew... And all this Islam, they, they are not Jews. They are they're from uh, Arab world. So my point, my, my question is, you, Muhammad, and all this, every time I debate with them, prove to me who wrote your Quran. They say to me, I'm not allowed to ask that question. And they don't even know who wrote the Quran. So to my knowledge, it's the Quran. It's a devil's book. If I have that book in my hand, I'll burn in the fire. Look. When God wrote the first, the first book with the Ten Commandments, it was the hand of who? The hand of Moses. Moses is not an Arab. He's a, he's a Jew. So the answer is, Muhammad is a fault. He's a liar. Okay. I'm sorry about that. Samoa, you're Muhammad. making a, an important point here, and uh, in some parts of the world, making that sort of point uh, quite dangerous too. Uh, let's uh, hear a response here from Bernie. Yeah, yep. Yeah, so one of the things that I, I try to avoid is, is using kind of, you know, pejorative or disparaging languages about, uh, about Islam and about Muslims and, and about Muhammad, you know, so I, I don't call them names. Um, I simply point out what they did and what they said, and I think that's that's an important thing because it's very easy for emotions to to uh, rise up and for people to become upset. And by a careful use of language, you can often often avoid that. Um, he was right that Jesus uh, Jesus was a Jew and Muhammad was an Arab, but that doesn't really disqualify. Um, things because we know Jesus came for all the world and uh, on the day of Pentecost it says amongst those who heard the, the message of Peter were Arabs so the, the gospel went out to the Arabs very early on so the gospel is something which is required for all the world um, he asked, when he asked them who wrote the Quran they say um, I'm, not, I'm not allowed to ask that question and th- there is a verse in the Quran which says in, in Surah 5 101 which says do not ask questions about things which if made plain to you might cause you problems because some have done that in the past and on account of that have lost their faith. So there's not a, a spirit of inquiry necessarily within Islam. Uh, people often told you just simply accept it and believe it. But Jesus actually takes a different approach. He, he says, um, love the Lord your God with all your, um, um, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and all your mind. He actually adds that bit. It's not in the, uh, any of the passages in Deuteronomy or in Joshua where it talks about that command. Jesus expects us to use our brains, to use our thinking, um, and uh, that's not something that's required within the Islamic kind of perspective. 
um, I wouldn't, uh, uh, you know, burn copies of the Quran. I think it's more important that we actually read it and open it and understand it and then refute it uh, rather than uh, uh, seeking to do... um, some damage to it. Okay, Samara, thank you so much for your call. And one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. There may be time for another call or two. Uh, just to reflect on a Facebook question here, Bernie. How do we create a common ground to start a friendly discussion? How would you recommend we approach if given the opportunity? And I think uh, what we're hearing about with the debate that's going to be going on in Melbourne and those that are coming up in Perth, uh, there is something of a friendly common ground on which these debates are being established. So uh, what are your thoughts for James, who wrote that question on Facebook? Yeah, James, great, great question. Um, I think it's really important to do that. And one of the ways that you do that is by being hospitable and by being welcoming. And uh, so we'll um, treat Adnan with, with the greatest respect, respect and with friendliness. Um, this is his first uh, visit to Australia, so he'll be our guest and uh, we'll be looking after him. And when we're talking about the material to say, look, even though we differ quite radically on, uh, on the, the understanding of Jesus and Muhammad, that doesn't mean that we need to be rude to each other or disparaging or dismissive, but we can actually speak to each other in uh, quite an open and friendly tone. And I think that that's really key. Also, engagement with people outside of uh, uh, those discussions. So um, I'm invited, uh, Adnan, if we can have dinner together so we can uh, talk about our family. I know he's got four kids. Um, he's a father like am, I am. I'm, I'm a grandfather. Um, and, uh, yeah, so just to connect at that human level is also important. Uh, we're both scholars, so we both read and write and teach and travel and so we'll have a lot to talk about uh, that's at common ground as well. Okay, I'm going to need to put a line under the calls today. Thank you to everyone who has called through. Uh, just a few minutes remaining in our conversation, and I wanted to talk to you about the other debates that are going on in Perth over this next week. In fact, on Saturday night in Perth, there is another debate that's going on uh, involving the guest from the UK, and there's going to be a topic, Bernie, is Muhammad foretold? in the Bible. Uh, when you uh, just approach that particular topic, and we haven't got a lot of time to unpack it, but what are your initial thoughts for how that debate is going to look? Yeah, so I actually did uh, that debate with a, a Muslim guy uh, in Melbourne a couple of years ago, and that's on uh, online, or it's on my website, berniepower.com. And um, it's interesting because Muslims will often go back to the Bible and say, well, look, we find a whole lot of things which could refer to Muhammad, and they've got dozens of them. Uh, they, they claim to find Muhammad's name in the Quran because there's a, a term, sorry, in the Bible, because there's a term in there which says uh, Mahmadim, um, which sounds uh, in Hebrew like the Arab, Arabic word Muhammad. Um, but again, I, I would say, well, look at the context and look at its other occurrences. I don't think that it's you can justify that uh, at all. And uh, yeah, Sam Green, Samuel Green will be quite uh, uh, adept at dealing with those because a lot of these claims have been around for a very long time. Uh, now, some people in Melbourne and those perhaps even throughout country Victoria who might like to attend a debate like this, uh, these are coming up uh, very soon in a matter of uh, a couple of weeks from now, actually, in the Melbourne CBD on the 13th and 15th of September at the Melbourne City Conference Centre. 
the debates that are going to be going on in Perth this week, the uh, topic for Saturday night, this coming Saturday night, is Muhammad foretold in the Bible. The second is on Tuesday, the 10th of September, is Jesus God. Now, um, venues and times, there'll be a pointer on your website, Bernie. Yeah, and, um, I can tell people that now. So oh, good. It's, uh, tiny, T-I-N-Y dot C-C and then forward slash dialogue. Anyway, I will put that on my website as well so people can do that. Okay. Um, yeah. And so uh, berniepower.com uh, to be able to get the details of those debates. They will be important. I, I do suspect uh, too, Bernie, they'll be very entertaining conversations. And as people have been hearing the way you approach things, no doubt they'll be uh, very excited to hear you in a debate with a Muslim scholar. Uh, you say that the visiting Muslim scholar, uh, in fact, is uh, is a big guy and a loud, booming voice and no doubt commands a certain level of respect just because of his presence in the, on the stage. Uh, how are you expecting the, you know, the flavour of the conversation to go? Because uh, can you be loud and booming at, uh, you know, if you need to be? <laughs> no, I get. I, I I tend to be more soft and gentle and uh, and, and hopefully persuasive. So, uh, yeah, we'll just w- work with the gifts that God has given to us and, and the physique that God's given to us as well. Okay. Well, uh, for those listeners who want to be a part of it, BerniePower.com is where you can get a ticket to be a part of those debates. Uh, Bernie, always appreciate your insights. Uh, appreciate the way that you're able to deal with these sorts of topics and uh, you can set us straight and give us some clarity around some of these fuzzy ideas that we sometimes have and uh, the questions that we have, uh, the doubts that we hold uh, because we're not always engaging with people who are experts like you are. So uh, certainly appreciate your presence today on 2020 and uh, all the best with those debates. Uh, let's see what we can do to uh, maybe do a bit of a follow-up on this and, uh, and see how things went. But uh, thank you so much for being with us once again today on 2020. Thank you so much. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.